everyone, and welcome to another episode of Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, a podcast conversation with successful business owners who share their secrets of thriving in business while living with chronic illness. Here's Nancy Becker. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly. Today, we're going to be talking with Doug Brown, and I am so excited to learn everything it is you can share with us in the amount of time we have, and I know that it's going to be uh, just a great conversation. So everybody grab pen and paper to get ready to take some super duper notes, and if we're all ready... Welcome, Doug. Hi, Nancy. Thanks so much for having me. Doug, tell us a little bit about who you are and and why you're here today. (laughs) Who am I and why am I here, right? Who are you and why Um, are you here? (laughs) My name is Doug Brown. I help lawyers and entrepreneurs make more money and get more done in less time so they can do things like get on home on time for dinner, take a vacation, or maybe just take the nap that they need in the middle of the day. That makes a lot of sense. I love the power of naps. Um, And I know from our conversations that your listeners are ambitious and professionals and entrepreneurs. Some might even be lawyers, but don't be put off because I'm going to talk about lawyers because the stuff that I do with lawyers, everybody can use because no matter what the profession, you want to make the most of your time. You don't want to be overwhelmed and you want to make business run easier. And your people have all of those challenges and they have to deal with the additional challenges of chronic illness, you know, where you move ahead, you make progress, you get tired and feels like you're every step forward. There's two step back sometimes. Yes. Naps are wonderful things. (laughs) (laughs) It's how I got through law school. So I think those people want to listen because I'm going to talk about some of the most important principles and strategies that I've used. And that I share with my private coaching clients about how to do those things. And I've learned these the hard way over 30 years as an attorney, an executive, an educator, and a kind of a guy that goes in and fixes businesses. And I've had my own experience with getting, you know, the the cycle of take on too much, achieve too much and burnout and all the collateral damage that goes with that. When I talk about things, when I talk about time management, I talk about how I found a sustainable work pace and got to the place where I get to live the life I love and do exactly what I was meant to do. And, and, and I'm going to make sure we land the plane. So they're going to be able to write some things on their pad that they can take, put into action right away. Perfect, perfect. And it's really interesting because I've been talking a lot about time management lately and have been picking up tips here and there on, on things to do and, and what not to do. And let's just jump right in. Well, the place I like to start is two places. One, so many of the tips that people get about time management are just that. They're individual tips and tools and strategies, and that's all fine and good. But it's only when you put them into action consistently and persistently that they work. And so I see it with lawyers all the time. They attend time management programs over and over again, and they continue to struggle with the same thing. So something's got to be different. And so that's why I try to talk about time management as time mastery. And, And the difference is, you know, time management is like something you check off your list and you do. Time mastery is something we're always going to have to achieve. And you know, we can't manage time at all. We always talk about time management, but that's impossible because we don't control the clock. So all we can do is pay attention to 
our attitudes about how we use time, our perspective and the choices that we make, and working on a few things, a few small things that can make a big difference that over time will make a big difference in your life. And the problem with really smart people and time management is we believe that if we, know, we have the one tip, that if we know it in our head, that that's enough. I went to a program. I heard that Doug's going to talk about blocking your time on your calendar, and that's important. Well, I've tried that before, and I get distracted. I can't stay on my calendar, so it'll never work. So I should abandon that strategy and look for a different one. And we do this over and over, and then we wonder why we're still struggling with time management. Absolutely. So the first one is just adopting the attitude of beginner's mind and the right mindset to say, it's okay that I have to work on this and to pick something specific and then be persistent and consistent and stay with it. So it's mental is the first, the first challenge. I think interestingly, I've heard over and over and over again, it's like it takes 37 or 47 days in order to form a habit. And this is almost like forming a habit, correct? Is that kind of what this is, is needing to do this over and over and over again, learning it, getting into the habit of doing it? It's exactly that because I've read some study, 40% of what we do is automatic, is just habit. And habits are acquired intentionally and unintentionally. And when I talk to lawyers, they have a, they have a problem with this because they were taught how to be lawyers. They learned the technical skills of how to do the lawyer things. But nobody taught them time management. Nobody taught these disciplines. So they picked up habits along the way that other high achievers do. The habit of saying yes to everything, of the habit of being a perfectionist, the habit of not wanting to let every, anyone down, the habit of having to prove themselves. Often what happens when business people are trying to do time management is it's almost like this New Year's resolution. I'm going to do these five things and it lasts about 18 days and then it's over. So we have to do what's called habit stacking and to be able to start with a basic one, work in that and stick with it, and then add a little one and stick with that and recognize that you're going to fail and have to go back to the beginning over and over again. Anybody who's played golf understands this because <laughs> watching a YouTube video or taking one lesson doesn't make you a good golfer. <laughs> no, it doesn't. What that also reminds me of is something that I said to my clients the other day on a post I put up on, on LinkedIn is that when we're kids or when we're the parents of young children who are learning to walk, you know, you don't expect a child to go from laying to getting up and walking and running and doing everything in one try. It takes a long time for that child to learn to get up, to roll over, to get up, to crawl, and then to walk. And that's understandable and acceptable. But as adults, we don't give ourselves that ability. We don't, we don't allow ourselves that grace. We don't. And we're generally, especially really smart people who've been successful are wicked hard on ourselves. It shouldn't be that hard. The complicated is pretty simple. Why can't I execute it? Well, it must be a problem with me. Well, what you're trying to do is you're trying to change a lifetime of habits and 
you're trying to do it in a world that is so full of distractions that trying to stay focused at all is a problem. And then if you're dealing with a chronic illness, that's a whole nother layer that comes in. And we what I see all the time is you massively overestimate your ability to get things done. So you, you've gotten successful because you say yes to a lot of things. And in your life, you've been used to getting them done. And next thing you know, you're stressed out, you're burnt out because there's no chance to even make a dent in your list. You've taken on all these commitments and then you've probably got a pretty active mind. And so you think about all the things you should also be doing. And then you can have so much on your list. You don't even know where to start. And so what do you do? Well, I must, I, I should work longer or I should work faster. Neither of which actually work. So there, there's a different way to go about it. And it, the first concrete thing is to, you have to become aware of what's going on. You have to see it without judgment. And to look at your list and say, that's too much. And it's okay that it's too much. And then you can start looking at it and saying, what should I start saying no to? Because that the thing that I, the, the mic drop moment for a lot of the people I'm speaking with is that saying yes to everyone else is actually saying no to yourself. That your capacity to say yes and deliver is not unlimited. And as a business owner who's used to being successful, that's kind of uncomfortable. It is absolutely, you know, and, and we want to get into business for ourselves in the first place so that we can have the time to do things that we want to do, not worry so much about the business. We want to be able to, to structure things so that we can take vacations, we can take time with our family. But then the reality becomes, and this is even true for established successful businesses, although much more true, I think, for um, those maybe that ju are just starting out, we wind up doing it all ourselves. I mean, I've been in business for almost 40 years, and it wasn't until maybe five years ago that I really wanted to, and I've had employees, I've had other people doing things. But it was answering phones, it was filing, it was, you know, it was those kinds of things. It wasn't working on the meat of the business. That was all me. And I would work from 4.30 in the morning until midnight, seven days a week and feel like that wasn't enough time. So again, we're going back to the mindset, I think, of it is okay to delegate, to you know, use automation, use tools, use strategies. Mm -hmm. Yes. Talk about that. I, I think it's more than okay to delegate. I think it's absolutely essential. My background coming up as a lawyer in practice and then being a business executive for years. And then I taught entrepreneurship and innovation for six years in a master's program. And it was funny when I would talk to people that want to be entrepreneurs, they say, I want freedom. Okay, you can choose whatever 20 hours a day you want to work. <laughs> and and I don't want bosses. Well, are you going to have customers? Are you going to have employees? Are you going to have stockholders? Because those are your bosses. So, and there's a specific profile of people who become entrepreneurs. And one of the things when you're a business creator is it does fall on you. You have to do everything. And then your business gets to a point where you can't anymore. 
but you still want to have that control. I was in logistics and outsourcing for 13 years, and I saw this all the time. People believe that if they do it themselves, they have control over it. They do. But when they don't do it because they don't have time, or they don't do it well because they don't have the training, what value is that control? So I know we both talk to our clients about, all right, what is it that is uniquely you that only you can do in your business? So if I'm talking to a lawyer, it's, it's the legal work. If I'm talking to a financial advisor, it's doing the financial advice. Well, if it's not that in my world, if it doesn't require a law degree, it doesn't require your secret sauce, then someone else should be doing it. I have a, had a client many years ago who was an insurance broker and he, lo- he was, loved being sales guy in chief and he was getting sucked into all the office things and he was very dissatisfied. So he brought me in to fix the staff. It we was fixed him the, that needed fixing, right? Uh, yeah, 50, at least 50% <laughs> of the problem was in the mirror. But the way we did that was getting him confident in how he was delegating, that his people were understanding it. He had to adapt his behavior. And then he got to go to be the sales guy in chief. And his team was amazingly effective. And he sold his practice, was acquired by a big bank who made that their insurance practice, and became the president of that, all because he got focused on where he had the best and highest use of his time. So he had somebody to do all of the mechanical, repeatable work and run the systems. But that was a big piece for him to adapt the mindset that, wait, I can have more control when I put people I can trust around me, and then I give them a swim lane or a field to play on and let them do it. And that's frightening for entrepreneurs. Yeah. I got into a massive argument on Facebook (laughs) the other day, which is, is things that happen quite frequently when you share things in groups. But one of the posts that I had, or I was responding to a post and I said something like, you exactly what you just said you need to as a business owner you need to focus on doing the work of the business and you need to find people around you to do the work in the business and that's the you know you need to be able to figure out how to actually get what you do done and things like that it doesn't matter really how a job gets done as long as it's done right and the end result is that the people are happy with it and oh man I got blasted for saying that well we we hang on to our beliefs and the skills that are required to move from growing a business to a certain point and then scaling it are different. Mm -hmm. So the skills of managing what my clients like me to help them with the people stuff. I don't want to deal with the people stuff. Okay. Well, let's fix that problem first because it starts with you. Those are really different skill sets than being the salesperson or being the technician or really the two mental models you use to grow a business. And then, well, I can't trust other people. Well, let's, you need somebody from the outside to help you unpack that. Because if you can't really, you can trust other people, you got to trust yourself first. And a lot of times where people want to bring on their, to to delegate, they're dealing with perfectionism. They're dealing with the need for control. And 
it's a little bit of the confidence in themselves as a leader. I need to learn how to be a leader. And a lot of them didn't have great role models. They, a lot of them went into business because they had terrible leaders and they quit the, quit them and said, I know how to do this better. Um, so learning that additional skill and being patient with themselves as they learn the skill, that's an essential mindset. And I know, you know, we talk about mindset, but the thing that people can do like right now today is take a deep breath and step back and think what's really going on. If I'm really frustrated by something, I'm blocked by something. If I were on the outside looking in, what would I see? If I saw this in a friend, what would I see? Because we have blinders on, we can't see it for ourselves and we're going so quickly. But if we slow down and become aware of what's going on and accept it, not saying it's okay, but accept that it is, then you can start dealing with it. And that requires you look at some things that are kind of uncomfortable. Such as? Well, just dealing with, you know, one of the big time management challenges that everybody has, especially people who are really creative and those who've started businesses is with distractions. Normally I talk about distractions, like, well, somebody walks in your office or some notification goes off on your device and, you know, but so many of the distractions are in our own heads. It's the things that we think of, well, I'm doing this and I'm having struggling staying on that task, but I got these other things over there and those are more interesting than this thing that I'm on. So let's go work on that. And then you wonder why you don't get that thing done. So, you know, one of the, the strategies that a really creative and busy entrepreneur needs to have is to not only block time on their calendar in 45 minute increments, because 45 minutes is a good time. It could be an hour, an hour and 15, but it's to match the task that they're doing to their level of energy for the day so that they are putting, let's say you need to deal with working on your practice and having a strategy for what do I need to have in an employee? Who would I delegate to? Well, that's a pretty high cognitive load kind of task. It's really different. So you not only need to block the time, but the time and space that you're in has to be at a time when your brain can handle that. If, if you leave that till two in the afternoon, it's not going to happen for most people. If you say, well, I'll do my work during the day and I'll get to it after dinner, unless you're a night owl, unless that's your most creative and energetic time of the day, you're kidding yourself. So knowing yourself and your patterns and creating those time constraints and matching them to the level of energy of the task is a way to take that traditional time blocking advice you read about and kind of supercharge it. Because if we constrain time and you make it a game, how much can I get done in this 45 minutes or an hour? And how can I keep my own self from distracting myself? Then you and put yourself in flow. There's an amazing amount that you can get done even if you don't finish it, just move it one step forward. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that, that I do with my business is we have a, a program that we run every Monday morning that's called Intention Hour. And it's just a group of us just all get together on Zoom. And it's we, we see each other in the beginning. We say, this is what I'm working on today. And then everything goes black. And there's no sound, there's no picture. You can chat if you need to, if you have to ask somebody a question. 
But then at the end of the hour, we all come back and how much did you get done? And well, I got this done or I kind of screwed around and didn't. You know. But it's amazing how much work gets done in that one hour period of time because you've intentionally brought what you're going to do to that time frame and worked on it. And I think that's an incredible incentive to get work done. Yeah, one of the things that's really helped me in my career, and I'm so glad you mentioned it, is dealing intentionally with the loneliness of being an entrepreneur. I've been a head of a $40 million division of a business with 100 employees, and it's one of the loneliest times I've ever had because everybody's looking at you like you have all the answers. Of course, you're making it up as you go along. So, so finding the community of people who will support you that will tell you the truth, including, hey, you're doing a pretty good job. It's okay, you got distracted. What are you going to do next? So you counter that voice in your head that tells you you're not good enough and that you screwed up again. Having that community for me in my life was absolutely transformational. But you have to be intentional about selecting it because coming up as a lawyer, I had lots of people who were very smart and I liked them, but lawyers are inherently competitive with each other. So you can't share it with the people you might be against in court. You don't want to share it with your family. So what are you going to do? And you get wrapped up in yourself. So finding the time to invest in yourself and finding a community and a, an advisor who will tell you the truth is enormously valuable. Yeah. Yeah. My mastermind program has been going for over 10 years and it's just a really good way to, to be able, and the people that are in it are all basically the same level, but they're not the same business, you know? So yeah, I've been in those, that, yeah, those, those peer groups are enormously effective if they're facilitated. Well, I'm okay. sure <laughs> that yours is the, the big, you know, thing is just because when you talk about priorities, right? Cause your people in your mastermind group have to pick something to work on mm-hmm. and so much of it is when I, when I work with my clients, picking your priorities, it's where's your stuff, yeah. the stuff that you're working. And well, why is it a priority? Is it designed to make you more money or save you more time or get you more clients? Is it working on your business? And if it doesn't serve you, and if it doesn't line up with your values and why you're in the business to begin with, then it's okay to just not do it. And everything you think up about your business doesn't mean you have to act on it. It doesn't need to make it on your list. One of my concrete land the plane suggestions is have a piece of paper in your notebook. I just label it parking lot. And these are places where it just comes into your head, you park it and you don't think about it again. And you have to be very intentional about, okay, there was this thing in the parking lot. Oh yeah, I have to do that. That should go on the to-do list. And maybe it should go in one of seven categories so I can organize my time around that. Oh, this one's a neat idea. I'm going to leave it there. I might come back, you know, because maybe it's not ready for prime time. Because when you hold those things in your head, you're consuming massive amounts of mental energy to hold them. And one of the big distractions, self-imposed distractions, is you're worried about forgetting. I have this great idea. I better not forget. I need to stop right now and work on it. Or you have a staff member who's talking. This is very destructive as a leader. You have a staff member who's talking, something pops into your head, you share it, 
person shuts down. Yeah. If you have your notebook and your parking lot, you can casually make a note and then stop to think and then decide because one of the principles of, of time mastery and efficiency is being very intentional about your outcome. Intentional about your outcome. What is it that you want to have happen as a result of an interaction or a course of activity? I'll see this with lawyers talking about clients and the clients will get all defensive and they will get into this conversation. It's like, well, what is your outcome for this? What do you want to have happen as a result of this conversation? Oh, well, I don't know. Well, maybe you should think about that. Or what's the outcome? One of the great ways to get power in your day is in the morning to be intentional. What do I want to create today? What experience do I want to give to myself or to somebody in my life? And my, que my question yeah. is, and, and that's what I was going to say a couple of minutes ago, and, and you walked right into my question. And, <laughs> so that's great. But even as established business owners, we often just do by rote. This mm -hmm. is what we've, this is what we've always done. This is what we're going to get. How do we actually turn on that intentionality button, you know, so that we really start to, that can be painful. Yes, absolutely can. Because usually we will link our awareness of something, our getting into it with the judgment of oh, I don't want to go here because I'm going to find out that I was really not as good as I thought, or I created this problem because I didn't do this, this, and this. And then, so they won't go there because the judgment's attached. Yeah. What's interesting is if most of your people saw someone else who was doing that, they would give them great advice. They would say, that's silly. You have to be able to look at it, detach the judgment. It's already happened. Let's just work ahead and fix it. But when it comes to their stuff, they're not following their advice so well. Yeah. And it happens and, to all of us. Yeah. And I cannot tell you the number of times that I've asked every person that I start to work with, I ask, where do you want to be in five years? What do you want your business mm -hmm. to look like down the road? And a common answer I get was, I don't even know what I want for dinner tonight. How am I supposed to tell you what I want five years from now? I can't see that far into the future. Well, and then I go, then you're not going to have a successful business. You know, if you don't have a roadmap and if you just, oh, I'm going to go here today. I'm going to go there tomorrow. I'm going to, you know, you're not going to get any place successful, you know? So how do you tell people that they need to do this <laughs> without, you know, without them, you know, getting all upset and saying, I don't want to listen to you anymore. Go away. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I do a lot of work with my clients on, on marketing as well as time management. And for us as coaches, when you get to that, the answer is they're not ready. It's not the, not the ideal customer, mm -hmm. but the, the way to get through it you know, and, and I do a lot, did a lot of strategy. So you can talk about vision, mission, and values. And a lot of people get all tangled up in that because it feels too woo woo. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I go as a technical management term, woo woo, right? Woo, I, like that. Um, <laughs> I take back and say, well, how are things going now? And then 
without even the construct of five years, if you could just wave your magic wand and have anything you wanted, what would it look like? And they'll typically talk about things that are outside of their business. They'll talk about, I want to have time with my kids. I want to travel to be with my grandchildren. I want to, you know, ride my bike across country, whatever it is. So, okay, well, so what will it mean? And these are things your clients can use in their sales conversations too. What would it mean if you, if you had that? And then they anchor in what it would mean. And what would it mean if you didn't? And so when you've got that, so now how can your business get you there? And you can do the same thing in your business. Why are you in business? You've probably told your clients to watch you know, Simon Sinek's How Great Leaders Inspire Action, which is all about right. people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Mm-hmm. And I recommend that as well. It's a, I watch it more often than <laughs> pretty regularly. The point is your people who work for you need to be clear on why they're doing what they're doing and why it makes a difference. That's your vision for the business and what you're trying to create because your people have to connect that to why they're doing it. That's how you keep employees. That's how you provide fantastic customer service. It comes down to what's your purpose? Why are you doing this? Why in this business? I see this with lawyers all the time. Why You could do anything. Why do you continue to do this? And that's uncomfortable for them to go there, but but if they can get in touch with their purpose, they find power in that. And I'm not talking about a super high level metaphysical purpose. I'm, I'm talking about why do you get up in the morning? Why do you choose to do what you do? Why did you create the business you, you did? Why did you make the choices you make? Because that's all there. You have to just pull it out. Mm-hmm. And once they understand that and things can start to get in alignment. I love it. I love so, it. And I, so many people resist. Well, I don't want to do the strategy stuff. Or I don't want to do it. Well, that stuff is what makes businesses successful. That's why Apple's Apple's. That's why Microsoft's Microsoft. That's why Richard Branson is Richard Branson, because there's a, a larger purpose to which they're working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ask people in, in, I basically live in Facebook land and, <laughs> and, you know, you'll see all these posts out there by women owned businesses and, you know, their purpose is to have, you know, more time with family and friends and things like that. And they don't really, if you talk about, you need to have a strategy to get you there, they just tune right out. But the questions that are, hey, if you'd like to have 500 new leads by tomorrow, this is how you do it. They don't use the word strategy. You know, they just, they go right to the end result. And that's a great marketing tool because when they hear strategy, they go, nope, I don't want anything to do with that. That's a great marketing tip because no one buys the tools. They buy the outcome. Mm-hmm. So if you're hiring a lawyer, to do your estate plan, you don't actually want your estate plan. You don't actually want that. You want what it gets you. You want, you have your, your, your wishes listened to when you can't speak for yourself. You protecting your daughter against your future ex-son-in-law. Those are the things. And, and so every single business is usually providing a product to do something. Even if you buy a widget on Amazon, you don't really want the widget. You want what it gives you. If you're trying to grow your business, when you focus on what you want to create, what do you want to create? Five years is a long time these days. What do you want to 
this year, next time, what do you want to have created? What do you want your life to be like? All right, now let's back into what you need to do to do that. Mm -hmm. And Nancy, it's, you have to delegate more. You have to say no more often. You have to have effective planning routines and not let yourself off the hook because the day got crazy. And I, why should I make a plan? Because no plan survives first contact with the day. Well, okay. Then your day is going to rule what happens in your business. Are you okay with that? Because you're probably, you're probably really a control freak. If I talk in a room of a hundred people and I say, who in the room is a control freak? And I raise my hand, everybody else does too. So let's just have this control freak community and recognize that if you don't plan and you don't adjust, then you're, you've ceded control of your business to whatever the, which way the wind's blowing. That's not okay. It's like letting somebody, giving them your wallet, let them take money out of it. That ain't happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yet when lawyers or, or people don't delegate. That's what happens. And they say, I can't afford it. Well, what would you pay this person to do this task? Oh, I'd pay them, you know, $30,000 a year. Oh my gosh, that's too much money. What is it per hour? And what's your time worth? Oh, wait, you could make $50 an hour more by spending 25 an hour. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yep. They don't realize that. (laughs) I love it. And that's an excellent place to stop. I love making $50 an hour more. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a great idea. We've talked about so many things and there's so many things on my notes that I've been taking. And I certainly hope everyone listening has been too, because there's definitely words of wisdom in here. Doug, what did we not talk about? Well, I think the one thing I want to leave people with is the most important asset you have in your business is yourself. And that means in addition to all these other things, you need to give yourself rest and recovery time. And the big idea is I have many ways I say this and I just lost it in my head and I'll be raw and share it. So we, here's, we here's, all know that feeling. Here it is. So, so we all have distractions, right? All these great ways to say it. So the, so caring for yourself first increases your capacity to serve others. You do not have to choose between taking care of yourself or taking care of someone else. It's an and. And when you take care of yourself, you'll take better care of your business. You'll be a better spouse, mother, father, whatever your relationship is. And so many people put self-care last and that's such a huge source of stress. And when you're people with chronic illness, it's okay to take the time to take care of yourself. You must, because if you don't, you won't be the person you need to be for the people who need you most. Amen to that. And I certainly hope if you didn't take any other notes, guys, you heard that and wrote it in capital letters on your notes (laughs) because it's so important. Uh, Thank you, Doug. This has been absolutely a a great talk today. If somebody wants to reach out to you and say, hey, Doug, I want to work with you. How do they do that? Sure. Thank you, Nancy. My name is Doug Brown. I'm the chief learning officer at Summit Success. Website is summit, S-U-M-M-I-T dash, which is the little symbol, (laughs) summit-success.com. And um, I've put together for your listeners, I'll put the link in the show notes, 
my favorite five uh, lifetime productivity hacks that they can that come and download. And um, I'll put my contact information in there as well. My email address is doug at summit-success.com and I'm on LinkedIn as well. And I'll give you that information for the show notes. That's great. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Everybody, you know, if you've got any questions, you can always reach out and, and put them in the question section on this podcast. We'll get back with you as soon as possible. And if you have ideas for future shows, let me know that too, so that we can see if we can't reach out and find some great people to talk about those things as well. Until next time, get out there, be productive, do things the way Doug told you to, (laughs) and soar higher. Take care, everybody, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Bye-bye.